Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Big Recon on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, I'm the Big Recon. And this week we're going to focus on a couple of things that happened with our favorite teams. After we do a quick recap of Championship Weekend and who the college football playoff committee decided was going to be in the playoff. A uh, quick recap, we actually got three out of five right. Um, Ohio State won big over Northwestern. Dwayne Haskins set the record for most touchdown passes and most yards thrown for in a Big Ten championship game. Texas lost to Oklahoma. Georgia lost to Alabama. Washington, of course, beat Washington State, and Clemson rolled in the ACC. The Final Four that was announced on Sunday, Alabama at the 1, Clemson at the 2, undefeated in idle Notre Dame 3, and Oklahoma sneaks in the 4 with Georgia at 5 and Ohio State somehow unbelieving, unbelievably at six. So not the playoff for our Buckeyes. Not a big deal. Uh, Ohio State will play on January the 1st in the granddaddy of them all. It is a true Rose Bowl as the Pac-10 champion Washington Huskies take on the Big Ten champion, the Ohio State Buckeyes, in what has turned into a different game now. But that's how we're going to end the show, is why it's a different game. We're going to go east for uh, roughly about eight hours in a car. And we're going to go to my beloved New York Mets, who have decided the hot stove season is just the time to start proving themselves as being a real player and really going all in in 2019. A seven-player trade with the Seattle Mariners sending... Jay Bruce, Anthony Swarzak, Garrison Batista, and two recently drafted minor league prospects, the big one being Jared Kellenick, who was the number one overall pick of the Mets this past draft to the Seattle Mariners for Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. Now, people will say, oh, well, Cano, you know, he's a little older, he's this, he's that. Here's the difference. From an offensive standpoint, the Mets are now a better team. As much as I love Jeff McNeil, he is not Robinson Cano. Defensively, I think they're a better team because now McNeil can go back and play third base, which is his natural position. And let's face it, Edwin Diaz is an absolute beast at the back end of the bullpen. 98 with movement, good breaking stuff, 50-some saves last year in an an all-star appearance. For a Mariners team that woolly underachieved. So the Mets are for real. I think they're going to be a much improved team. The latest thing is now they're looking to trade for JT Real Muto. And Derek Jeter is not offering the same hometown dumpster fire discount he gave to the New York Yankees. The rumor right now is the Mets will have to part with at least one of Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto, or Amin Rosario. Personally, this is where I think MLB needs to step in. He sold off Ozuna, the left fielder, for nothing. He sold off Christian Yelich for next to nothing. He sold off Giancarlo Stanton for season tickets for the Steinbrenner family to Miami and literally a lit dumpster and Starlin Castro. He got nothing in return basically, for those three guys. And he is looking for a haul. Now, I understand it's in the division. But this is the problem I have with it. 
he gave away his three biggest chips, and one of them was to the team he played for for his entire career and made them an instant tougher World Series contender. Now, the guy that you're going to have to pay for the next couple of years, no matter what you do, you're going to play this game? I'm sorry. I have a real problem with this, and MLB needs to tell him he needs to get it, get his head on straight. Here's where I think the Mets are going to go. Brody's going to make a splash. The next name brought up in trade rumors, besides Ruimuto, has been Corey Kluber from the Cleveland Indians. Uh, it looks like Trevor Bauer is also on the trading block, uh, as is um, plenty of other players. If it was me, I don't make another move for a starter. I look on the free agent market. No, this is not me advocating for... Bartolo Colon to be a Met once again, although that would be pretty cool. No, this is me basically saying um, there's a catcher out there in the free agent market. Uh, it's just Monty Grandal. Why are you going to part with Michael Conforto, who really could be the next David Wright? Although no one will ever be David Wright. He could be the next closest thing. Why would you part with Brandon Nimmo, who's your built-in leadoff man, if you can't get Rosario to hit leadoff? You don't have anybody else. Why are you going to part with these Ahmed Rosario, who is could be an all-star shortstop? It'd be stupid. Um, I would sign Grandal, and listen, there's a lot of talk that they are going to try and get uh, Bryce Harper, which also I don't agree with. I think the Met outfield is fine the way it is, but if he's going to do something, let it be that. A.J. Pollock is hurt too much. If you're going to get an A.J. Pollock type, you have one in Juan Lagares. Let Lagares play center field. Move on from there. But Brody has proven that he wants to win, and he wants to win now and for the future. He did say he sacrificed some of those guys in the Cano deal for the next five years. I don't think Robinson Cano will be playing second base for the next five years, but we'll see. It does look like Peter Alonso will be the opening day first baseman for the Mets, which, again, is another move that needs to be made. He's ready. There was rumor early in the hot stove season that Noah Syndergaard was on the trading block, that San Diego wanted him terribly. Brody came out and said Syndergaard is part of the core, He's not going anywhere. So now you've got four frontline starters. You've got a young core of players who can hit, and you brought in some veteran leadership. We'll get Cespedes back come June, where you can ramp up and make another run like you did in, like in 2015 when Cespedes came over in July. So let's see how this turns out. A lot of time before they go to St. Lucie in mid-February. We're still before Christmas, so the... GM meetings, or the winter meetings, excuse me, are this week in Las Vegas. Uh, let's hope Brody comes back with more moves that we can wrap our hands around and really start to envision big things for 2019. So now I, I want to talk about the newest development in the sports world in which we live. And that is the announcement the other day that really is bittersweet. 
that as of January 2nd, 2019, Urban Meyer will no longer be the head coach at Ohio State University. I remember in November of 2011, all the speculation, all everything leading up to it, and finally that day when Urban took the job and he was announced as the 24th head coach in the history of the Ohio State University. Ohio State came off a 6-6 six and six season at which they went to the Gator Bowl in January and lost to Urban's former job at the University of Florida to end up 6-7 and seven in a year of turmoil that started with Jim Trestle being fired and, well, stepping down. And um, the team going through scandal, having to start a true freshman at, um, at quarterback, having to really rebuild itself during the season as it made a run at 6-6 six and six and only had one impactful win under uh, Luke Fickle. And then it started. The groundswell. Urban Meyer's going to come back and coach. Urban Meyer's going to coach at Ohio State. And I didn't know much about Urban Meyer at the time. I knew he was the coach at Florida. I knew he had been at Utah. I knew he was at Bowling Green uh, from talking to my friend Nick, who has been on the show a couple of times and will be on when we preview the New Year's Six Bowls in a couple of weeks. The What I remember of Urban Meyer was after Ohio State lost that national championship game to his Florida Gators and how excited he was. And then I started to read more, and I learned that his first job out of college at Cincinnati was a graduate assistant job at Ohio State with the wide receivers under Earl Bruce. He then coached at other places, Notre Dame, and then Bowling Green, Utah, Florida. And finally, he was the head coach at the place that meant the most to him. Uh, I did not know only to find out later that Urban Meyer is an Ohio boy, born in the same hospital as Jim as uh, Jim Harbaugh in Toledo. And then he moved to Ashtabula County, which if you drive from New York to Ohio like I do, Ashtabula County is the first county you get into. Um, so Urban lived Ohio State as a youngster. Um as far as my personal feeling, the overall feeling I personally have mirrors what Buckeye Nation is feeling. We understand he has to do this, but this is a very bittersweet thing for us. He is... It is sadness that we are losing our head coach, but it is joy that we can now look back at the amazing seven-year run that Urban Meyer had as the head coach of The Ohio State University. By the numbers, arguably, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, and many people may not agree with me, Urban Meyer was the best coach in the history of The Ohio State Buckeyes. The record speaks for itself. 82-9 and nine in 91 games. 54 and 4 in the Big Ten. That's he didn't lose a game for a couple of years in the conference. 
he won or shared his division title every year in Columbus. Three Big Ten titles. Four and two in his bowl games. He lost his first one, the Orange Bowl against Clemson. Because they could not play in 2012 in the postseason because of the bowl ban. And oh, by the way, he went 12-0 in his first season at Ohio State with really nothing to play for. Nothing to play for. They won their division. That's great. They beat Michigan even better. People remember Urban started 24-0 at Ohio State. Two consecutive division titles. Of course, losing the Big Ten Championship game in 2013. He loses the Orange Bowl, which would have been a shot at the college football, the BCS National Championship game in his first year. Or second year, excuse me. In his first year, if the Ohio State administration had been smart, they would have taken the bowl ban that year in 2011. And Urban Meyer would have won a national championship in his first year at Ohio State in 2012. Uh, they, they would have killed Notre Dame. And I can say that because the two teams that played in the Big Ten Championship game lost to Ohio State that year. We get to his third year, and it's a Big Ten Championship. It is a win in the Sugar Bowl against Nick Saban's Alabama and a dominating 42-20 win in the first ever college football playoff national championship game and his third and final national title as a head coach in college football. A win the next year in the Battlefrog Fiesta Bowl. Of course, the blowout loss to Clemson the following year in the Fiesta Bowl. A win in last year's Cotton Bowl, which was basically a traditional Rose Bowl down in Texas over USC. And January 1st, when this man who, if you saw the look on his face when he was interviewed by Marty Smith after the committee had decided who was going to play in the bowl games, he... um. Coach looked really happy. He talked about how him and Kirk Herbstreet had discussed playing, coaching and playing in the Rose Bowl and going there and how it would be so cool. Uh, you could tell Urban was at peace with the decision that was probably already made. But to go out for the Rose Bowl coaching at Ohio State when you grew up watching Woody Hayes and Bo Beckler play every year to get to the Rose Bowl. That was pretty cool. All those numbers are great. And all the things that Urban did were, was great. But the number that all coaches that tow the sidelines in for that university and drape themselves in the scarlet and gray like the coaches do, there's only one number that matters. And it's not Big Ten championships. And it's not national titles. It is very simply, how did you do against Michigan. There's no other number that people are measured by. Ask John Cooper. John Cooper's a Hall of Fame head coach in college football. John Cooper's record against Michigan makes most Ohio State fans want to vomit. And I don't mean to be so graphic, but he won twice in 13 years. Terrible. It is so important that 
when Jim Tressel was announced as the head coach and introduced, they had me playing a game in basketball against Michigan that night, and he said that you will be proud of our students on the football field, in the classroom, in the community, and most importantly, in 324 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And the place went crazy. That game transcends it all. And Urban Meyer did something no coach in the history of Ohio State ever did. Urban Meyer was 7-0 and against that dreaded team up north. I mean, when you think about it, and you think about some of the games they played. You had the, the 2012, which was a close game at the Horseshoe. The 2013, which Tyvis Powell intercepts the two-point conversion to give Ohio State a one-point win. The 2014 game where we lose JT Barrett going in the run to the playoff, and we beat him by a couple of scores. Harbaugh's first game in 2015 when that team took out all its frustration on Michigan after losing to Michigan State. 2016, the first ever overtime game in the history of the game with Curtis Samuel scoring a touchdown after a wonderful spot by the referees. Such a wonderful spot that I have a shirt that says, actually, the spot was good. To last year's game, losing JT Barrett, seeing Dwayne Haskins come in to lead this team to a win at the big house. And then, of course, this year's 62 to 39 drubbing of Jim Harbaugh's number one ranked defense in the country. 7 and 0. 7 and 0 against Michigan. It is a number that I hope Ryan Day gets a chance to touch. My favorite season that coach Meyer had at Ohio State was not the championship season. It was the first season. Because you got to learn about Urban Meyer, the motivator of young men. Again, they had nothing to play for. We had the tattoo scandal. We had Jim Trestle leaving. Terrell Pryor leaves to go to the NFL in a supplemental draft. And he motivated that team. And if you talk to those players and you hear them talk about that season, Urban Meyer motivated those players to give something more of themselves than just to a football team. He succeeded. He succeeded in everything he has done at the school. Coach Tressel won one national championship, played for a couple more. Urban Meyer won one national championship, and in my opinion, should have played for a couple more. You would be hard-pressed to find a better coach at this university and I'm including Woody Hayes in that. Woody Hayes was transcendent. The 10-year war was transcendent, but it was never this. It was never the dominance. Think about what I told you before. 82-9 and nine in 91 games. 54-4 and four in the Big Ten. When teams go 50 games over 500, you don't hear it. You don't hear about it over years and years and years. This guy went 50 games over 500 in the Big Ten. Insanity. 
where do I see Ohio State going from here? Uh, I will make that prediction after the Rose Bowl. After we hear what Dwayne Haskins is going to do, I believe that he will come out. I also believe he should win the Heisman on Saturday, but we all know he's not going to because there's a Southern bias when it comes to football. People have mentioned on social media the unfortunate incidents that led to his suspension earlier this year, and they're saying he's taken the quick way out. Anybody who actually believes that needs to listen to what Chris Carter said on First Things First the other day. And it's something that he, because he said it to Urban, he said it on the air. He said to Urban Meyer, you're putting me in a position where I'm going to have to speak in my friend's funeral. It's, uh, football doesn't matter at this point in time. His family, his his grandkids, his kids, his wife, they are what matter. And you could see on Shelly Meyer's face after the Michigan game as they embraced on the field at the horseshoe for one final time. The relief and the love for this man. After winning the Big Ten, it was another look like that. Um, Urban Meyer will never be matched in his record at Ohio State. I got to watch a team he coached live and in person two years in a row. He's a commanding presence. I hope he stays at the school and helps keep molding young men. We've seen a lot of great coaches toe the line at Ohio State. From Woody Hayes to John Cooper, as much as he didn't beat Michigan, he was still a good coach, to Jim Tressel. Urban Meyer, and I think the last man, this coach, will go down as the greatest coach in Ohio State history. This is a coach who took over a 6-7 and seven team and took him right to 12-0. If you listen to the way his players speak of him, it's with reverence and love and affection for a man who didn't just coach football. He helped mold them into good young men. So to honor Coach Meyer, we're going to play a little snippet of something that they play after every game, and you hear all the players singing it after every game on the field. I'm taking this from the 11 Warriors YouTube site. I'm just going to play it for you. This is after the Big Ten Championship game.
And of course, the Ohio State football team with the accompaniment of the best damn band in the land singing Carmen, Ohio, after Ohio State won its third Big Ten championship under Urban Meyer. To Coach, I wish him luck in the future. And to my listeners, I hope to see you for another event. We may do a live event for the preview of the New Year's Six, where we will preview the six bowl games that make up not only the college football playoff uh, semifinals, but also the other four games that they call the New Year's Six. Of course, the playoff is the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl. We then will preview the Rose, the Fiesta, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, of course, the Sugar Bowl, and we will let you know who we think are going to win these games. We'll let you, we'll preview uh, the playoff and let our listeners out there know who we think are going to win the national championship. And I say we, I think I'm going to have Nick on again. Um, if not, we're going to find a different way we can do things. Um, so that concludes tonight's episode of the Big Recon on Sports. As always, we can be found on social media at BR on Sports One on Twitter, Big Recon on Sports on Facebook, and of course, you can hear us on Google Play, Google Podcasts, and on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening, everybody. And if you have a chance to send him a tweet or to let him know that he really is appreciated, send one to Coach Meyer. It was a great run. It was a successful run. It was really a run for the ages. Have a good week, everybody.